Alright, let's go. <clears throat> this podcast contains, uh, explicit language, adult beverages, delicious tobacco, and, what's that say? Flagrant misuse of dice? What does that even mean? Who the hell wrote this? To hell with it. I need a drink. Huh? Oh, okay, whatever. <clears throat> this is the Dice and Pipes podcast. Welcome once again to Dyson Pipes. What's going on, Chris? <sighs> Any more whiskey? We're running low. I've had a lot of whiskey. Yeah, we're running low. Uh, what are you smoking over there? At this point, I, I don't even know. What what pipe am I on? Where am I? <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Today, I'm smoking my Savinelli Mega. With some Navy Flake that you were kind enough to, to give me. Oh, the Navy Flake is delicious. I love it. Fucking oh, bad language. I love it. I'm a big fan. What are you smoking? I am smoking Awakened Elder. Oh, it's so good. I love that shit, too. And my Rossi author. It's a big fat pipe. It is a good... For those curious, Carlos uh, decided uh, yes. to buy a $40,000 boat. No, that's normal. You just buy your boating license or get your boating license. You buy a $40,000 yeah, boat. I'm sure he won't re- live to regret that. No, 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 no. Of course, I refer to it as a Cuddy Sark. You're on a budget, though. Leave off the H for savings. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I don't think that works. <laughs> uh, find us on the Insta chats and Twitter grams and whatever else the fuck you kids listen to dice ampersand pipes i'm sorry i couldn't even get that fucking joke out oh fuck man we're like two minutes in and that's a one and that's yeah that's a crit miss yep that's a fumble you fucker and i need some alcohol past the cankles oh my god my arms aren't long enough ah it's beautiful you know what in in honor of the first uh, for those of who are unaware, on Dyson Pipes, when yes, you yes. fuck up a word, you got to roll the drink. And I rolled a one. And you did. So instead of you taking two. Stop it, please. I'm going to call a DM Audible. A DM Audible? I'm going yes, I'm going to have one with you. Here you're, we go. You're a jo- hold on. Let's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, now, so on to the business at hand. <clears throat> On every episode of Dyson Pipes, we like to make a toast. And this one is a doozy. I would like everyone to raise their glasses in honor of knock-knock jokes. Oh, so bad. If you are older than the age of 10, 10 is the cutoff. That's what I say right now. Okay. If you're older than the age of 10, knock-knock jokes are no longer socially acceptable. Socially acceptable. Socio-economically. Oh, we're going economics now. Everything. Everything. Just across the board. Doesn't matter your 
economic the, standing the, or the subprime mortgages from 2008 yes as a direct result of knock knock jokes so you're saying there is a correlation between knock knock jokes and the housing fallout of 2000 not only a correlation a direct physical manifestation that's what i say this is breaking news here's why i don't like knock knock jokes okay knock knock who's there nobody Nobody who? That is not a joke. Here's another one. Knock, knock. Uh, Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting. (laughs) Knock, knock. Who's there? Amy Fisher. Amy Fisher. Bang! <laughs> or knock, they, knock. Oh. Who's there? Olive. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo hoo. Don't cry. It's only a joke, <laughs> fuck face. <laughs> I hope if you tell a knock knock joke, the answer you get is 12 gauge. (laughs) (laughs) So would you would you equate knock knock jokes to dad jokes? No. Why not? Because dad jokes take the the ever so slight modicum of intelligence. Oh, intelligence, huh? Yeah. So if I asked you how do you make a Kleenex dance? Put a little boogie in it. That takes intelligence. A little bit of intelligence. Here's the oh, knock no. knock version of that. Yes. Knock knock. Who's there? Boogie. Boogie who? Boogie in your Kleenex to make it <laughs> dance. <laughs> oh my god. Give me another one. And I'll convert it into a knock knock joke. What time did the man go to the dentist? What time? 2.30. Knock, knock. Who's there? Tooth. <laughs> tooth. <laughs> My tooth hurts because I got to go to the dentist, you fuck. <laughs> See? Knock, knock joke. One uh, more. One more. A ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve food here. Get knock it. knock. Who's there? AIDS. <laughs> Whenever the cashier at the grocery store asks my dad if he would like the milk in a bag, he replies, "No. Just leave it in the carton." Knock, knock. Who's there? Who? (laughs) (laughs) It's me, a fucking owl! (laughs) 
Oh my god. Oh, last one, please. All right, last one. Uh, why do chicken coops only have two doors? To get to the other side. Because if they have four, there would be chickens. <laughs> what are we doing? Knock, knock. Uh, who's there, please? Chicken coop. Chicken coop who? Four door sedan. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've gone off the rails. Follow us Cheers. on Insta Chats. Yes. That's why I think a knock knock joke. These fucking glasses are indestructible. Let's let's play some D and Please, please get the bad taste out of my mouth. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. I just give myself space. That's all. So I, I load a bolt into my crossbow, and then are I you just kind of disengage, or are you just going to back up a little bit? No, no, no. I'm not disengaging. Uh, I'm just going to try to because I would think it, at this point, like I'm not surrounded by guys, right? I staggered back when when Whitmore came out of the water, and I saw this crocodile, and I would think maybe Alvord's close to me, um, but I just try to gain some separation between myself and Alvord. So I'm not disengaging. I'm, okay. I'm still focused on the uh, on the croc. So I'm just loading and, and maybe just kind of strafing to the side a little bit. Okay. Uh, Alvord is up and fires at this crocodile and misses. Whitmore takes a swing and it the sword just clunks right off of its nose. Uh, the crocodile is up and still wants Whitmore in a bad way and snaps its jaw at Whitmore. Doing 23 damage to Whitmore. And now Whitmore is stuck in the alligator's mouth. Citadel is up next. And Citadel uh, just like uppercuts it under the jaw trying to free Whitmore uh, with his warhammer. But the alligator has Whitmore in its grip. You're up. With these rolls, I hope that I don't miss and shoot Whitmore in the face. Mm. So he's kind of like arched. He has Whitmore up in the air. So he he chomped on him and, and raised his head up. Opposite. He's actually pulling down. Oh, he's pulling down. Okay. All right. So again, uh, I'm just trained on his head. And I'm just going to fire at his head. A 10. The bolt once again hits his old thick scales and actually gets stuck in, but it doesn't even look like it hurt mm. the the crocodile. Alvord is up. Finally. Alvord fires an arrow and it, it lodges deep in uh there you go, buddy. in this crocodile. And you can tell it kind of grunts. Uh, Whitmore is going to desperately uh, try to break free and does so. Uh, Whitmore just starts punching this thing in the top of its jaw and finally rolls out of the mouth of the alligator uh, or the crocodile. The crocodile now targets Alvord. Snaps its jaw at Alvord. 
your reactions are fucking pleasant. Does 14 damage to oh Alvord, and now it's in Alvord's mouth. The thing then takes its tail and swings it at Whitmore, and Whitmore is down. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, Citadel is up. Now, Citadel, seeing the situation, looks to you and just says, Traveler, permission to unload. Permission granted? The center of Whitmore's chest kind of breaks into pieces and produces almost like a like a train engine light on the front of it. Steam starts blowing out from underneath all of its carapace-style armor, and the armor starts to kind of fold back in on itself, exposing nothing but this wood interior, this oaken interior. And his eyes turn from orange now to red. And he charges at the alligator and does crit. (laughs) Alvord leaps into the air uh, in lieu of screaming. There's just steam blowing from everywhere. He's almost leaving like a chemtrail behind him and he slams down onto this alligator. Uh, The alligator lets go of Alvord and is jacked up. Uh, it's disoriented and it's now stunned and it's bleeding from a lot of places you can see that Citadel regains his shape and transforms back into his normal shape Um, but he's slouching now as though like that's taken like a lot of energy out of him correct his eyes are still glowing red or no they're back to orange okay Uh, you are up I reload my crossbow where is where is everybody in relation to me? Okay, so, so Alvord has now been dropped out of this crocodile's mouth. The crocodile really hasn't done much. So picture, I, I see you at the front with Citadel to your right, Alvord to your left, kind of flanking you. Whitmore came out of the water. This thing came chasing him. And it, as Whitmore's like kind of shimmying backwards, maybe only a total of like 5, 10 feet, this thing is chasing him. So you are near its rear hind leg on its right side. And Citadel is kind of diagonally to its front, in between like the side of its head and its front paw. And Alvord is kind of staying staying near you, firing arrows from no. afar. Okay. Uh, Alvord stands up from prone and fires and hits. Uh, alligator is stunned. Citadel is up next. Citadel misses. Uh, you're up. No. I feel like I should be giving like the uh, the sniper speech or the prayer from Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> um, how far is Whitmore from me? Uh, Whitmore is so this thing's about fifteen feet long, uh, uh, twenty feet long, and he is near the front of its mouth. So he's about twenty. Let's call it twenty-five feet away. Okay, that's not gonna work. All right. I've loaded another bolt. I'm going to fire this bolt at the croc. 13. Roll damage. Oh. Was it 1d6, right? For the crossbow? Two. The arrow, the bolt, 
flies from the crossbow and lodges right in like a soft spot. If, if the alligator had ears, right in that soft spot where the base of its skull meets its neck and it drops. What? You're out of combat. Yes. See? Even the, the smallest amount of damage can prevail in a battle. Holy shit. So Whitmore is down. Alvord is hurt. Citadel is exhausted. Uh, Citadel, so for mechanical uh, purposes, Citadel has now, uh, he went into frenzy and now he has one level of exhaustion. Okay. Um, I tend to Alvord because he seems to be the only person who can help uh, Do we want to maybe take a long rest and go after the this house in the morning? Oh, well, of course, but I want to make sure that we tend to, to Whitmore. Yep, so Whitmore stabilized. Uh, I assume that you guys are going to kind of patch yourselves up, and Alvord is more than happy to start cutting this thing up uh, for food. So you've replenished your food. You obviously can't carry that much because you don't have any horses. You don't have anything else. Right, well, right. I, I'm going to give you six days' worth of food. Okay, good. All right, so we take a long rest here at the edge. I really don't want to stay at the edge of this pond. Okay, yeah. I, I figure you move someplace, maybe back to your original meeting point. Right, right. Uh, Whitmore, you know, uh, we found we found the sticks, and I went to go tell you that we were going in the right direction, or that you were going in the right direction. And as I was running to catch up with you, you know, Alvord said he was going to be right behind me, and then this thing just jumped out of the water and just grabbed me and dragged me in. Yeah, maybe this is the last time that we split the party. We have to stay together. We don't know what we're going to encounter in this swamp. Did, did you find anything? Oh, we found something. What'd you find? I think you'll be pleasantly surprised in the morning, but rest for now. Okay. When the sun comes up, we're going to head back to... Uh, we're going to head back to where uh, Alvord had met up with us, but we okay. may have found the tree that was in your dream. Really? Yeah. Should, should I go? Should you go there? to the tree. I got the feeling that I wasn't supposed to be there. Well, let's see what happens in the morning. Just rest and heal. Uh, so the night goes by. No dreams. Nothing of note. Uh, you now have five days worth of food. It is now the third of Adonis. And unless you want to do anything, are we going to continue toward this tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So you make your way through and this. We should be able to make it there in one day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You were only a few hours away the first time you saw it. Right. So, And you were only an hour away from your meeting spot. So figure four hours. Okay. So right, you're getting there by midday. All right, perfect. As you traipse through the swamp, a heavy fog starts falling around you. You can see this gigantic willow tree. Next to the willow tree is this old wooden house. In front of the house is a fire pit. And hanging in front of that fire pit is a kettle. Uh, with some kind of substance bubbling and boiling inside of it. And the three women from your dream are standing there. And you can hear muddled voices. They're speaking amongst themselves as you approach. So like in the flesh, they're standing right in front of us. About how far out? 20 yards, 30 yards. Oh, okay. You can see um, all three of them are fairly attractive and they sure enough have one of them has red hair one of them has blonde hair and one of them has brown hair they're wearing very unassuming clothes kind of dirty um, but they are still very strikingly beautiful women <clears throat> despite being dirty right is there a baby in the cauldron 
you can't tell from here. So I think I want to approach with Citadel. Based on the dreams, I ask Albert if he's willing to just kind of stay behind for a few with Whitmore. Yeah, he's okay with that. Um, he feels kind of bad, so he's more than happy to stay with Whitmore and make sure that he's he's good. Whitmore's still a little banged up, has all of his hit points, but you know he's 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 seen quite a bit. Right. Okay. So I approach the women with uh, Citadel. Are you going to say anything to Citadel as you approach? Yes, I <clears throat> yes I am. I said so. It appears we found the three sisters. And he nods and just starts, again, at an inhuman style of speed, marching forward, almost kind of leaving you in the dust. Okay. I'll, I'll try to stay as close as possible. So you're, But I'm, I'm going to let him get there first. Okay. So you're kind of high-kneeing it yes. through, the, through the muck, and he is just bulldozed. Like he's, he's not even leaving footprints at this point. He's almost like <laughs> plowing the road okay. as he walks. And the three women stop, almost kind of startled, and look up at him. And he greets them uh, as the sisters. And he takes a knee and bows his head. Do, do I see, like, their reaction? <laughs> Does it seem as though they recognize him, or are they startled by him? Uh, they have a, a perfect poker face. Okay. And uh, the one in the red hair kind of just friendly-like, but dismisses him and, and more or less asks him to stop being so formal. Uh, without actually saying anything. All right, so I approach. And they smile when they see you. And the brunette speaks first. And she says, Ah, the traveler has come. The blonde-haired one says, From the far north, with brunette finishing up, saying... Wandering through the swamp back and forth. Have you seen the dark crystal? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Get out of here. Yeah. Is that like with Muppets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Jim Henson movie. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, it's got to be from like the 80s maybe? I've seen Labyrinth and Legend. I don't think I've ever seen Dark Crystal. Oh, no, 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 no. This one, it, totally different. Totally different. But anyway, there were three, um, there were like these three witches and they would all like, almost like rhyme like that and they would be in front of like this cauldron, it just I think the one chick's name was Ogra, like the double bubble toil and trouble. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, almost like that. I think and, it's Macbeth. Oh, that was from Macbeth. That part, the double bubble toil and trouble. Right, right. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's that's where they got this from. But anyway, it was all about this eye. Uh, it was interesting. It was a good movie as a kid. Like now, you watch it. I'm sure it's garbage. Anyway, you you saying that just like brought me back to my childhood, and I was thinking <laughs> about Dark Crystal for a second. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Anyway. Um, Wait until you get inside the tree and it's Fraggle Rock. <laughs> Red was my favorite character. I love Red. So I approach. I, I would imagine my focus would be on the redhead, being that she's the one that's you know been approaching me in my dream. And I said, you, you have called and I have answered your call. Why am I here? I'm Carla. That one over there pointing to the, uh, to the blonde. That's my sister Renee. And over there is my little sister, Martha. Pleasure to meet you. Tell me, why have you come to our home? Who at this point, do I have the tree bark? Uh, Whitmore has it, but if you got it from him on the way. All right, so for just brevity, we could say that I have it? Yeah. Okay. 
So I, I pull out the tree block. Renee, uh, the blonde-haired one. Oh, this almost looks like the symbol of the old one. And Martha, the brunette. Yes, the god with no father and no son. So Harrison will look to them and be like, why am I here? Renee offers her hand to take the, the bark. I'll hand it to her. You are the traveler indeed. Renee, kind of smiling, throwing maybe some spices into the, uh, into the pot. Watch what you can do. She takes the bark, and you can see her pull something out of a satchel, and she kind of grinds it up and almost takes the bark and points it at maybe a rat or something uh, running by. And again, you hear this, this crack and this pop, and before your very eyes, this rat starts twitching and falling to the ground and writhing in pain, and it starts transforming into a wolf. I would imagine that that like I like stagger back. Uh, Martha, the brunette, says that's what you can do with it. All it takes is some elbow grease and wit. That's what you can do with what the bark or the power of this old one you speak of. Carla shakes her head. The old god needs to come back, and Renee hands you back the bark. All you need are your weapons and your pack. And I point to Citadel. And I say, that's what he's been telling me. What are these weapons? Martha looks to the tree behind them, this large tree. This is the first temple you seek. And Carla kind of smacks her hand. We don't help the traveler in what he seeks. I look back at Alvord and Whitmore. And then I I look back to to these three ladies. And I ask them, are they welcome here? Both of the the blonde and the brunette both look to Carla with the red hair. She's the auntie. She's in charge here. And Carla kind of examines the two. I've never seen them before, but they have nothing to fear. Okay. I whistle over to them and I I wave them up. Whitmore is not feeling this. Uh, Very trepidatiously steps toward the group. Alvord realizes that obviously there's there's magic all around him now and he's had a hard enough time processing Citadel let alone watching the spell that happened in Northridge just happen right now before his very eyes and uh, Alvord kind of grabs you and whispers in your ear are they the ones that were in Northridge? Hmm. From being at that festival in Northridge they don't look familiar, right? Like, the only way that I recognize them is from my dreams? Correct. So I tell Alvord, I say, it appears the magic that they're using is what took place in Northridge, but I don't believe these three were responsible for what took place um, to all those people up north. Carla kind of clears her throat. Again, I ask, Traveler, why have you come? I've been led here through my dreams. I believe it was actually you who've called me here. Renee kind of chuckles. Oh, please, Traveler. You think we have that power to go into one's dreams? Uh, Carla holds up her hand and says, uh, I think we're done beating around the bush. You're here to make a deal, 
and you need to rush. What's the hurry? And what deal do I need to make? Martha kind of chuckles. This land is in danger. I'm sure you know. Renee points to the, uh, to the tree bark. The attack in Northridge is just the beginning. Just testing the power. And Carla says, You need our help, or the world will be devoured. Bye. The old one is coming, and he needs your help. That's the role of the traveler. Who is responsible for the attack in Northridge? Renee says, uh, looking at her cauldron, You may think of us as witches. Most people do. But we don't have any answers. We weren't there. Only you. Fucking rhymes. But you're aware of... It's what hard to do on the fly. Oh, I bet it is. That was pretty fucking good. But you're aware of what took place in the North. And it seems as though that the three of you, at least in our dreams, have always been one step ahead in being south of where that attack took place. So if it wasn't you, then who else wields this power, this magic that no one has seen in thousands of years? Carla says, you know, you're not alone in this world. There are many others. Beyond the far seas, there's other lands, other people, and other cultures. Right, we bore witness to that in a map, or at least a painting that we had seen in the old mining caves of Hexley. We're guessing that's where you found him, and they nudge toward Citadel. Yes. He's not the only one of his kind. He's a empty automaton, just given a mind. And so far a helpful one. Renee points to the tree again. Maybe some of your answers lie in there. I look at the tree. It's just a giant weeping willow? Yes. With an opening? Not that you can see. So I look back at them and ask them, how does one enter this tree? How do I find what I seek when it... when I don't know what exactly it is that I'm seeking? All I'm looking for at this point is answers as to what happened in Northridge. We can't give answers for things that we've never seen. But over there, that temple opens for the traveler. And the temple is the tree. Yes. That can only be entered by me. I'll rhyme with you. (laughs) (laughs) Martha says, We're getting tired of these games. It's really quite simple. You're the traveler. And you have a mission. And unless you want to see your world collapse, I suggest entering the tree. What's in the cauldron? Are you asking? Or do you want to take a look? Well, I would imagine I'm close enough, right? I I just peek into the cauldron. Uh, It it just looks like some kind of stew. There's some mushrooms floating in it. Maybe some pieces of alligator or lizard or snake. I... How far is the tree? 100 yards, 50 yards, not far. So Harrison looks at them and asks them, is there anything that I need to know before I enter this tree or this temple? No danger will find you in there. It's a holy relic and a traveler's lair. Are my friends welcome or this is a journey only for myself? The tree will reject all but you. Okay. So I look back at Albert and... And what more? Um, what time of day is it? Still around like little afternoon? Yeah, I would say like one, two o'clock maybe. So I tell Alvard, set up camp here. 
I'm going to venture into the tree and see what I find. Okay. You're going to go into the tree? I go to the tree. As you walk up to the tree, you can hear the wood start to kind of groan and protest in as it's bending and the insides are kind of sound almost like it's moving and the tree is almost wailing and uh, the roots from in front of you kind of lift up and almost make like an archway with stairs leading down. Mm. I step inside. When you walk inside, uh, it's a big cylinder. There's really nothing inside. You can almost see the inside of the tree with roots kind of going in and out all over the place. And in the center is a pedestal. On the pedestal are these two uh, leather and chainmail looking gauntlets with strange inscriptions written on them, something that you've never really seen before. <clears throat> and that's all that's in this room is this pedestal with the... That's it. Okay. All right, so I, I approach the pedestal and I'll inspect the gauntlets. Give me an investigation. 11. So you see on the leather part, so imagine that the top of this glove is leather. The bottom side where your hands are, are chain mail. The gauntlet goes up to maybe, if you were to put it on, like halfway up your forearm. And that part has almost like a like a big section on the bottom that kind of hangs low. Um with another rectangular section that just juts out a little bit from the top that goes the the length of the entire gauntlet uh, on the forearm section. And those parts are made of steel. Uh, There's inscriptions on the entire thing. It doesn't quite look like the writings that you found in the cave. And it doesn't quite look like the markings that you found on that map inside the cave. It's, I don't want to say a blend of the two, but it's definitely a, a foreign looking design. Right. Exotic, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Okay. I picked them up. They're surprisingly light. You, They look like they would have a lot of heft to them, um, but they probably only weigh maybe a pound. Oh, okay. Collectively. Right. I put them on. Uh, roll a flat 20. I'm sorry, roll a flat 10. Seven. As soon as the gloves slip on, they almost constrict around your arm. And it gets almost like white hot, uh, causing seven damage. (laughs) I start screaming. You realize as you're screaming that you cannot pull them off. They like meld to my arms. Yes. Is the pain consistent? No. After maybe 10, 15 seconds, the pain goes away. You could tell that your, your hands are messed up. Because they, they like you have that residual like throbbing pain, like when you jam your finger into something, right? Um, but it's it's from just below your elbow all the way down to the tips of like your fingers. All right, I just I try moving my hands to make sure that I still have feelings like in in my hands. Yeah, you can still feel everything. It's surprisingly like if you were to grasp the pedestal, you could feel almost as if you weren't wearing gloves. You could feel the pedestal. You could feel the little grooves that were cut out on the top of the pedestal to make it like a beveled edge. Right. You could feel a couple of the pebbles and pieces of dirt that have fallen from the tree that are on top of it. And if you were to stick your hand out to maybe grab the wall, you can feel the wall even though you're not touching it. If you were to close your hand, you could feel your hand gripping the wall 
but to like help me pull myself back up. Right. Even though you're not touching the wall. So let's say the wall of this chamber is like five feet away from you. Right. If you were to reach out and just squeeze your hand, it feels like you're squeezing the wall and pulling yourself back up without touching it. Give your character mage hands. You realize with a little bit of practice that you can instruct your hands to remove things from your belt or from your pack and use them without your physical hands actually doing anything. So just through thought, I can leave my hands in a fixed position and what? I can through... It feels like you're doing it, but your hands aren't actually moving. Okay. And it's a little disorienting at first. Um, when you realize that this stuff is happening, uh, have you ever, like, where both of your feet fell asleep and you weren't sure if your foot was on the ground or not and you're right. constantly tripping? Imagine that, except with your hands. Okay. And after, you know, after a few minutes of kind of orienting yourself, you start to slowly get more control over what is happening. Okay. I just... To experience what the hell is going on. How high up is the, the like the ceiling area? Hundreds of feet. So if I reach up and close my hand, do I feel like I can grab the... So, yeah. You, you can feel yourself grabbing the top roots of this chamber. And if you force yourself to tug it, stuff starts falling down on top of you. Do I feel that if I grip with both of my hands, I can almost like pull myself up off of the ground? Or it's more I'm pulling no, down. It's not affecting your physical form. Okay. You're just affecting things around you. So it's as though through mage hands, I understand that. So it's as though I'm I'm projecting my hand out right. and manipulating whatever it is that, that I can see and touch. Roll another investigation. A four. As you're kind of flicking your wrists around, uh, trying to manipulate this out of the bottom of your left hand a dagger protrudes and it kind of flies right out of your wrist and stabs into the wall looking at your right hand you try to do it again this time as you flick your wrist when the dagger comes out you are quick enough to grab it with your physical hand and hold this dagger give me another investigation check 18 these daggers have more inscriptions written on it, but they're very much closer to, not ex- not the same illustration, but very closer to that alien-looking drawing that you found in the, uh, in the cave. And you now have a set of plus two daggers. What? Now, are these, are these daggers coming out of the, that steel compartment that was along my forearm? Yes. Okay. Uh, if you were to take the daggers... They can't pierce your gloves. So if you take the tip of the dagger and push it back in, you'll secrete it back into that compartment, uh, ready to be fired out again. Give me another investigation check. 17. While you're putting this away, you realize if you flick your wrist down in the top compartment, two crossbeams pop out, and it starts firing in rapid succession bolts, almost like crossbow bolts. And you have two plus one crossbows built into your wrists. And give me a perception check. A one. (laughs) Uh, Somewhere in the back of your mind, in the quiet of this room, you can hear 
like disembodied whispers. Uh, you can't tell where they're coming from, what they're saying, but it's just kind of like a. All right, I um, I sit down in this chamber, and I try to focus on on what exactly it is that I'm hearing. Uh, it was for a fleeting moment, and it's gone. But you do feel from the gauntlets kind of seizing onto your arms and all of this happening, you do suddenly feel very groggy. Uh, give me a constitution save. 16. You kind of shake your head and snap yourself out of it. Do you want to leave this chamber? There's nothing else in here, right? There's nothing. No markings, no murals, no paintings. Just a carved out section of this tree. With Correct. This pedestal that, that held these gauntlets. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to leave. Uh, so you go out and, and join your party. Yes. Um, and nothing is really out of place. The the three women are still there. Uh, Whitmore's po- still alive? Yes, everyone oh, everyone is fine. Whitmore is not happy about any of this. <laughs> um, he's still kind of standing off to the side. And Alvord is very vigilantly just watching over Whitmore. Okay. So I step out. I, I, I look down at my hands outside of the tree. It, it obviously looks that I have, like I have gauntlets on. Yes. Okay. I try to take one off. They do not come off. No coming off. No. I put my hands in my pocket so nobody can see what's on my hands. <laughs> I, I walk up to the three sisters and I just hold my hands up and I ask, what, what, what is this magic? Don't misunderstand, sweetie. It's not magic you have. It's a gift from the old ones. You're the traveler. Those are your hands. Why me? No one questions the old ones. You're to save the world. But how? And from what? Not for us to say. How do I seek out the old ones? Would you like a sip of our brew? Carla kind of smiles. It'll do wonders for you. God, she's so tempting. And this is what they've been cooking in the cauldron. Yes. Well, Harrison... Did you, did you just roll to see if you were going to do it or not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Harrison walks over to the cauldron, and uh, he'll nod his head. But before he before he takes a sip, he asks what's in it, knowing that they're not going to be 100% right with what's inside this uh, this brew. Uh, Renee kind of places a gentle hand on your shoulder. If we wanted to harm you or get in your head, believe me, honey, you'd already be dead. Mm. And she hands you a ladle of this soup. All right, so I, I, I take the ladle. And you going to drink it? Well, I look back at Alvord. Alvord is shaking his head <laughs> vehemently. Uh, Citadel is just, he, he doesn't have facial expressions, but you can tell he is just so happy to see these three. What color is Citadel's eyes while I'm doing this? Blue. Blue. What's Whitmore doing? <laughs> Whitmore is... He just looks white if, as a if ghost. If you could see inside of his head, you would know he was pretending that he wasn't here in the first place. <laughs> like, he, he's gone from he thinks he's on a mission for the Imperium, then now he's going to be burned at the stake. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I put the ladle to my lips. You and take I, a sip? And I take a sip. 
uh, you black out. And the only thing you see is you're floating above this lake. Keska Gorge. It's in the uh, the southeast of uh, the island. Underneath the water, you can see another cylindrical-shaped temple. You don't know what's in it. But underneath this lake, this huge lake, is another temple. Uh, suddenly, your mind flashes, and you see a place that looks kind of like this, which uh, it's a map of... Another continent, the same continent that you saw to the northwest of Debrin when you were in the temple. And almost like a bird flying, you start zooming in on a floating island above the, the main continent. And you see another cylinder shape. As you're flying, somewhere near the coast, on the east side, you see another cylinder temple. And then I come to? Yep. Do I wake calmly or? Uh, kind of like a huh. I just sit up. How long was I out for? Well, the house is gone. The three women are gone. Uh, the giant weeping willow is dead. Decayed and kind of falling apart. And Whitmore, Alvord, uh, Citadel is just... La, 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 la. Very, very excited to just be alive. Good. Uh, and the other two claimed that they fell asleep, uh, that you were talking to these women all night, uh, and they finally just gave up and went to sleep, realizing that you weren't really in any danger. <clears throat> and they actually invited you into the house, and you slept in the house. And you woke up just before sun sunbreak, and you came out and stood before the tree and they thought it was weird because you're just kind of staring at this dead tree um, and here we all are and you're kind of back with it wearing the gauntlets yeah from their perspective you started talking to these three uh, you drank a ladle of this stuff and here you are and you have these gauntlets which they figured you just got from inside the house wait so they never observed me going into the tree no so this just seems very cloudy and murky to me. Correct. So my perception of what took place is not the reality that they saw. Right. Okay. Uh, Whitmore, listen, I don't know if we're in trouble. I, I mean, we were supposed to find cultists. Are they the cultists? Like, do, do we go report them to, to Alexanderson? I, I don't know what to do. Well, for all intents and purposes, they never existed as far as this mission goes. Well, are, are we gonna, I mean, we only have a little bit of food left. What are we going to do? Are we just going to go back and say there's nothing to report? No, we're going to continue examining the swamp. We have to go back with something. We have something. What is the something that we have? These three women. Yeah? Think that through, Whitmore. We have dead soldiers in Hexley. Okay, now is not the time to go back there with three women who don't exist that we can't bring back with us. I think we need to be very selective with the information that we give back to the Imperium. I think we should continue to investigate the swamp, see if there's anything else that we can come across. I mean, look, I, I you know, 
Alvord says that there's a town of, of cutthroats. We could just blame them. Have the Thunder Force roll in. They won't ask any questions. Well, again, we should we should head to the town. Maybe step foot in the town so people see us. So it doesn't appear as though we're trying to create this smoke and mirror campaign and hide the truth. Because you know the way that they are. They will, they will find the truth. What do we do about him? And he points to Citadel. Let me worry about him. So we're going to go to Swamp's Edge? Well, I look to Alvord. What are his thoughts on this? Is he okay with this plan, hiding this information from the Imperium? You know, uh, I, I think we've gone too far. I, I think if we don't come up with something good, uh, none of us are going to survive this. I think, as much as I think it's crazy, I think Whitmore has the right idea. I think, I, I agree with you, we should at least step foot in this town and maybe cause a little bit of ruckus so people would remember us. Uh, and I think we should just blame them. They're criminals. The town. Yeah. As far as I know. I mean, maybe if we get there, that's the other thing, is maybe if we get there, we realize they're not criminals, we have to adjust our plan. Uh, but there's got to be 20 dead guards in Hexley. You know, we we can always just say, hey, they got in our way, and that might fly. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I well, don't know. I, I still don't see how we explain Citadel. We might have to leave him here. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. But it's kind of odd how we pick up a party member that, ha- <clears throat> that has the ability to kill dozens, at least a dozen people. And we just part with him. You know what's going to happen to him. Where did you find him? What happened on the other side of that pool? I don't even know. I stepped into the pool and the next thing I know... Can we put him back there? Because we don't need to go into Hexley to get back to that pool. No, but do you truly believe that that mine is not going to be heavily guarded? Are there any other pools? Hmm. I don't know how this magic works. Would, Would Citadel know? I mean, he's right here, right? He's obviously yeah. listening to the conversation. Uh, he, like, I, I don't know how exactly... Unless somebody, like, addresses him or right, he, he detects quiet. danger, he's just going to la, 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 la. <laughs> so, I, I say we bring him with us. I say we travel west in the swamp. We bring him with us. Let's, let's see what we can find in this basically exiled village of the swamp. Let's see what information we can, we can put together. So it sounds like we're going to Swamp's Edge. Yes. All right. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, we killed an alligator Damn. Or, or a crocodile. No, your preference, whatever you prefer. Knock, knock. <laughs> Fuck those jokes. So see, they deserve a toast. Yeah, I'm done with those. Uh, we find the sisters, and I, I am so excited to talk about <laughs> trying to rhyme on the fly and resisting the urge to yes. re-record my lines after the fact to make it rhyme better. No, 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 no. No re-record. I would say after listening to it, about 40% of the rhymes actually rhymed. Which is more would, than we need. I would just talk in sing-songy 
ways to try and trick people that it wasn't rhyming. That's all you needed. <laughs> I, 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 I think it was perfect. I Thank enjoyed you. it. Thank As you. the player, I thought it was pretty good. Like, on the fly, I thought that was pretty good. Just, like, ad-libbing what was going on and trying to, like, tie it all together in, like, their little style. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. I was uh, I was utilizing all three of them to do things to buy my brain time to think of rhymes, mm. and still, that didn't really work out. Uh, but we meet the sisters, three beautiful women. Whitmore has a dream that they're eating babies. Yeah, I don't think Whitmore was really uh, happy to be there. No, I don't think anyone was happy to be there. Now I was very concerned by what was in the cauldron. So yeah, let's talk about that. So you come up to this scene. There's three women. I was waffling on the idea of making them naked, but I was like, ah, this is getting a little too fucking silly. So three beautiful women with a gingerbread house. Yes. And uh, a tree that eats you. We'll get into that later. But they're cooking something because, of course, they have to be. So I'm sure everyone listening... And I don't think there's any reason not to bring this up because unless you're completely dense to just fantasy mythos, everyone is screaming they're witches. Wait, they're witches? Yeah. Uh, You even alluded to it. I I think you call them witches at some point. Hmm. Um, They're not witches. They're sisters. They're bitches. Right. Yeah, they're (laughs) they're bitches. The three bitches... uh, they're in a swamp. They're cooking in a cauldron. Uh, this could be a red herring. I could be making it so obvious and then throw a curveball. Or they are exactly what they appear to be. But regardless, what's Harrison thinking? I think like when you try to combine everything that's taking place so far... Um, between these dreams that he's had and like interacting with Citadel and seeing how powerful Citadel was, I don't think he was about to like mess around with these three. Um, Citadel is very obviously excited to see them, and he's obviously very powerful. So, because of that, Harrison believes that the witches, in turn, are also very powerful. They're appearing in his dreams, and they know it, so they have something to do with it. So he's going to kind of go along uh, with what they're pitching. Did you consciously not bring up the fact that they were in your dreams? You, You referenced it by saying you called me here, but you never actually came out and said, why are you in my dreams? I don't know if that was a conscious decision. I just think that's kind of the way that it role played out. I, I think the interaction between the two of us, you as as the sisters and, and myself as Harrison, like I don't think it ever really afforded the opportunity in my mind to bring up the fact that they were uh, that they were in my dreams. I, 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 Harrison, the way that I saw it, just wanted to kind of see like where this was gonna go. You have Citadel talking about like your weapons and your backpack, and you have to see the sisters. And I think Harrison was probably kind of nervous but excited at the same time like all right here's this monster he has no idea what the hell's going on he encounters citadel citadel seems to be like this protector for him he's obviously cleared out a ton of like thunder force that would have probably killed harrison um the encounter with the baroness uh the fight with the alligator so he recognizes that citadel is on his side so he's not gonna 
He's not going to go against his better judgment in knowing that Citadel, not that he has his best interests in mind, but he doesn't believe at this point like Citadel is really going to steer him wrong. And all of this has happened because of the the dreams that he's had with these sisters. So he's going to go along with it for the time being and not really reference uh, reference the dream. Okay, so you you have a, I, I guess I, I don't know if trust is the right word, but you believe that these sisters are not here to hurt you. They obviously wanted you mm. here. Um, and you end up stepping into this tree, which turns out to be some kind of temple. Inside is completely empty except for these gauntlets uh, that you put on. And this is where this this was a big moment in the campaign at large, and we're we're now at the point where we have not recorded anymore. So the only one between the two of us that knows what's happening is me. So this is where we can kind of start having a little more fun. You put these gauntlets on; they injure you. Mm. You can't take them off. These are all things that we establish pretty quickly. Uh, this is one of those moments where I want to start steamrolling through information because there's a lot going on, and we need to get a little further before it starts making sense because I don't like leaving you completely fucking clueless. Right. But you put these things on, they hurt, you can't take them off, and now your character got mage hands. Now, at some point, your character is going to go from Harrison Bullet, level zero, nobody, to a level nine arcane trickster. That was the class you decided you wanted to play. Right, And we made it at a level where you just get cool things at a level 9. You're not going to go to level 1. You're not going to go to level 2. You're going to go from level 0 to level 9. And I've already worked out how that happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. But as of right now, you're now a level 0 character with wondrous weapons. Right, We got two uh, plus 1 daggers or plus 2 daggers and two plus 1 crossbows that are built into your gauntlets. Right. And there's there's writings and inscriptions on them. <clears throat> that all seems more or less not normal but self-explanatory. Let's talk about the mage hands a little bit. Uh mage hands is a, a skill that you had wanted from months ago when we started crafting this campaign. So I, I threw them in now. Uh where are you at with the mage hands? Are we are we going to be using those? Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? I, I think that's probably like one of the uh the greatest assets that an arcane trickster has in their arsenal. So are you happy with getting that first? Because I, I could have put anything in this temple, but for some reason I got the feeling that you really wanted these mage hands. Like you were really excited about the idea of mage hands, so I gave those to you first. Well, Mage Hands, I think, just really adds... I don't know why, but I feel like Mage Hands for an arcane trickster, like, that's the... It's like the quintessential ability of an arcane trickster. Like, that. that's where I would start, right? So, like, I, if I was building an arcane trickster from the beginning, if I was going to level him up from level one and then work my way all the way up as far as, you know, the campaign is going to go, like, a lot of what I do would be based on my Mage Hands because a lot of it... You know, the mage hands you can use to uh, 
to basically enhance your backstab damage, give yourself advantage on attacks and things like that. So I, I think it's such a cool component of an arcane trickster to try to maximize the abilities that you're going to have within that that class. Were you surprised that when you put these gauntlets on, you did not become a level nine character? Did you think that was going to be part of it? No, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, I would hope that it's going to be like this gradual kind of build up. Um, because I, I think any campaign, regardless of what the campaign is, what, what, what system you're playing in, like to automatically assume that power based on something that you, you know, obtain is, it's kind of shitty. You know, it just like thrusts you right into this like high level campaign and that, that's kind of blah. You know, I'd rather start and, and kind of build to that and, and see how it builds and then how to use everything to my advantage and then obviously incorporate it within the, uh, you know, whatever other abilities I, I, I get as a level nine character. So there was one other thing that happened, uh, and this is central to the entire campaign. So I want to bring it up uh, because I want to make you more aware of it because we, I, I intentionally glossed over it. But at some point while you were fucking around with these gauntlets, you thought you heard whispers. Yes. In your mind. And then I failed miserably. Right. In my yeah. Uh, do you have, as a player, not as Harrison, do you have any idea at all about these whispers? Or do you have any theories about if that's going to... I, I'm already telling you right now, it's a main part of the campaign. Right. And as a player, no. I, I would have thought... I think Harrison would believe that it's just a, a product of this environment that he's in. You know, it's almost like stepping into the woods in the middle of the night and you hear, like, crickets and right. tree frogs. It's just surrounding noise, you know, that maybe he would try to try to figure out, like, what he's hearing, but it would disappear and it would just be, okay, it's just, you know, where I am right now. And, you know, that's just one of those things that fades into the into the distance. Okay. So even as a player right now, you're not really sure what to make of that, if anything. Even, I mean, obviously, I've let the cat out of the bag. That's a big I deal. Mean, but me as Chris, yeah. knowing uh, obviously, if I'm rolling a perception roll to determine like what it is that I'm hearing, I know that that has something to do with what's going on in where I'm, you know, the environment that I'm in right now. But what exactly it has to do, I have no idea. So I'm still in the dark with that. What do you make of these gauntlets? Oh, I love them, especially when we get into the interaction. Oh wait, we don't even get to that yeah. yet. We'll, we'll we'll get to that down um, in the next episode, probably. As but. a player, <clears throat> do you what do you how do you think these gauntlets? Because this is obviously like this whole scene, this set piece of the swamp was designed from the beginning, right? This isn't something that came off on the fly. Uh, like me personally, I I think that could be a uh, that could be a double edged sword. Like now I have these gauntlets that I cannot remove from my hands, which could be a hindrance. But at the same time, I have like these these magical weapons. Like it, it's incredible. So Harrison would think this is awesome. You know, whatever, whatever situation I get myself into. Look, I have these plus two daggers, plus one crossbows, and if that's not going to help me, look, I have mage hands now. Me as a player, now it just adds an extra element to role playing in a situation where. You know, maybe I need to hide the fact that my hands are, are covered. You know, maybe there are some situations where I might have to wear something where I need my hands to be displayed. Or people are going to question, like, hey, wh wh what's going on with this guy? Right. You know? Uh, so after getting these these gauntlets, 
uh, you end up drinking some of the witch's brew, I think you called it. Baby juice. Yeah, some baby juice. Yeah, yeah. For your baby head. <laughs> Such fine hair. <laughs> baby head, yes. Uh, and you end up getting visions, yes. basically. Um, I just want to break down, because now between the map that you found in the portal room in Hexley and right. these visions that you've had, we know a lot of stuff. Number one, we know there's two other continents minimum on this planet. Okay. Uh, we know that there's a series of portals all over the place. Uh, and we also know that there's temples. Uh, there's two temples on Debrin, which is the continent that you're on now. And then one of them is in Vogtrim Swamp, which we just did. There's another one in Keska Gorge. You also know uh, that there's two temples in another continent that you have never even, you never even knew existed. So you, your character has been given an uncanny amount of information in the last two gameplay sessions. Where's his head at right now? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think the totality of like everything that's happened right now is probably like a bit overwhelming for Harrison, right? So he he ends up in the cave in Hexley. Through the cave in Hexley, he he uncovers this pool that leads him to um to Citadel. While he's in that area where all the marble is, he sees these other pools and then later finds out that there are other um, temples, which would then most likely make him understand that they all kind of lead back to that same area. So I would think Harrison is starting to understand that they're almost like a, uh, it's almost like a transport hub that he can move throughout these different areas within the world, whether it's just the Brin or these other two continents, because again, he's not entirely sure what to make of that. Um, but I can also understand that using these temples will allow him to easily move. And I'm sure that's in, in Harrison's mind, that's what he's going to try to do. He's going to end up working his way back towards one of these temples. Um, whether or not he can get back into the one at Hexley, that, that remains to be seen. Um, he's going to try to use those pools and see if he can then work his way to a different continent. It's funny because you put out that map on uh, Instagram, and when you take a look, there's 12 different altars, or pools rather, statues uh, that are standing in front of these pools. So, um, And it's, it's something that Harrison has already seen. So, you know, just kind of a, a quick reference to, to his frame of thought. He would think, look, if, if I was in Hexley and I ended up in this cave and I... I explored this pool and it put me into this like alternate universe or whatever he wants to refer to it as. And there were 11 other pools there. There might be 11 other dimensions or portals or areas that he's able to explore through that world. So I believe right now we already know if the maps are to be believed that there's a portal in Hexley, there's a portal in Windspell Forest, there's a portal in Steel Star Ridge, and there's a portal inside of the Imperial Capital itself. Right. So that's four on, on Debrin. Right. That leaves 
uh, eight. Right. Unaccounted for. Yeah. And those are things that he's obviously going to want to explore. So we'll, we'll see kind of next episode, I think it'll start to like really sit down and put this together. Yeah. All right. Uh, boy, oh boy. Too, uh, too rhyming. You did a great job. Thank you. Yeah, it was um, not easy. And I was a little... Mm-hmm. No. We were drinking? <laughs> Always. Um, to... Uh, what was my toes? Oh, to knock-knock jokes. Knock-knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock-knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock-knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? Hey, uh, Pete and repeat are on a boat. Yes. Pete falls off. Who's left? Repeat. Pete and repeat are on a boat. Pete falls off. Who's left? Repeat. Brothers and sisters, I have none. That man's father is my father's son. Oh, my God. Two dice. And pipes. 